0: Welcome to Because You Need to Know, recorded live at the Cohen Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution. I am Edwin K. Morse, president and founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. Jessica Barus is a KM'er with a broad career background from an early career stint as a broadcast technician in the Air Force to an administrator of international exchanges, and then to developing a regional KM program at the U.S. Department of State. Most recently, she is building a KM program from the ground up at the American Printing House for the Blind in Louisville, Kentucky. Jessica, can you kind of outline what inclusivity means to you around the work of knowledge management? How does that show up?
1: Absolutely. So inclusivity is access to knowledge for me. So one of the big things I try to emphasize in my knowledge management practice is that we are the keepers of the cultures and that we can promote this environment of of inclusivity and access for everyone. So everyone has something valuable to contribute and everyone can benefit from organizational knowledge, but sometimes our practices can inadvertently exclude people so while we philosophically believe that every person has valuable knowledge are we can potentially be excluding people just because of some small practices that we're maybe overlooking and so i i want to challenge us as a community to examine what we're doing and make sure that we are doing accessibility best practices.
0: What you're saying is is not bias. We're not talking about a bias. We're just talking about a procedural fly in the ointment, if you will. Something that is like, oh, you know, if you would have done it this way, then it would have been more accessible. Yeah. Versus a bias of how something is released. So
1: some examples of this exclusion is like providing papers at a meeting, but not also delivering them in an electronic format so that they can be read by screen readers or possibly even translated into braille. Or maybe you're giving a video presentation that doesn't have narration, or maybe you've forgotten to switch on closed captions on a video presentation. Mm -hmm. So even the requirement to be physically present in a meeting can be a barrier for some people. Mm -hmm. So we just wanna make sure that our practices aren't creating barriers for other people's contributions.
0: It's more than just knowing your audience, right? It's knowing that you have to build it out for any audience.
1: Absolutely. So you have to think about some of the different needs and this kind of ties into the idea of user experience uh, for me. So you need to understand who your audience could potentially be and meet their unspoken needs before they have Hmm. to ask you.
0: So it sounds like a heavy lift for someone that's never gone down that path.
1: Um, Initially, it does seem like a bit of a learning curve, but there are loads and loads of materials and resources out there for us, um, and none of this is really KM specific. It can be um, broadly implemented throughout a whole organization, and and it's a requirement, too. 508 compliance is is mandatory. And there are lots and lots of different um, resources like WCAG standards. Um, APH has some resources available. Um, we have a, a whole website called APHaccessibility.com. And we have lots and lots of tips to make your work more accessible for everyone.
0: So we're talking legal ramifications. It's not a, just a best practice.
1: That's true. Yeah. Mm. there um, There have been lots of lawsuits.
0: So tell me more about that.
1: 508 compliance? Um, I'm afraid I'm not an expert on 508 compliance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Other than you know it's there and we need to follow it. Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> I. Um, but I do know that there are, op- there are lots of resources to help you meet uh, your 508 compliance needs.
0: Give me some ideas of what those helping aids would be.
1: Well, for one thing, if you're building a website, you can use WCAG standards, WCAG. And they um, outline all the different um, standards that are required for building an accessible website. So that could be like no flashing lights mm. or a certain font size or a um, certain type of font that's sans serif. Mm. So those are um, contrast for um, folks with who might be colorblind. So there are lots of different um, standards, but they're all outlined for you. They're checklists. It's not that difficult. Um, And it's a requirement.
0: So is that actually uh, addressing both internal and public facing or any production? To
1: my knowledge, it would be external facing.
0: If you're going to do it for the external and you're planning to uh, make material available throughout your intranet or internal, mm-hmm. you really need to understand, here again, we go back to understanding your client or your consumer mm-hmm. to know wh- how these products need to be. And if you're going to do it for the external, you might as well just do it for the internal.
1: Exactly. And that's why I'm hoping that everybody in the community can internalize these best practices. Like they're, they're not, really challenging once you kind of know what they are. So using logical mm. headers when formatting a Word document so that someone using a screen reader can easily navigate between sections. That is not that difficult and that's really important. Or using alt text. Again, this is something really critical for someone with a visual impairment and it's not that challenging for someone without one to to do.
0: Well, this is uh, the first time that I've ever heard this concept brought as a KM responsibility. Do you see it... In your organization or your, your experience as that, it seems to me that logically, to me, it would be an HR issue or HR um, enforcement, um, but yours, or, or IT, I guess, information technology folks would fall into this. But as a knowledge manager or a producer of knowledge, it makes good sense to make your product as available as possible.
1: Exactly. And so that's why it's one of my underlying principles, because I want to be able to provide everyone the freedom to explore and find information independently. And I think our work should help people find their own answers in a multitude of format formats so that they can find information and get the answers that they need by themselves.
0: That's the ideal pinnacle thing of knowledge management in and of itself is self-service, right? To be able to, to take that resource-heavy Helping somebody Mm
1: -hmm, exactly
0: and make things self available. Well, what would be your shopping list of things that would be helpful to someone trying to bring these two worlds together?
1: Well, I think just ensuring that you can use keyboard navigation in anything that you're building, whether it's a wiki or a knowledge base or a new website, just making sure that you can use keyboard navigation and that it's compatible with screen readers. And there's a free screen reader out there called NVDA. And you can download that and use that to test whatever you're building. And um, you don't have to be an expert on how the screen reader operates. In fact, it's actually better if you're not. Um, and that can help you test and make sure that you're um, you're creating something that's available for everyone.
0: Uh, you'd said earlier that there was resources available to provide some guidance.
1: Yeah, so if you go to aphaccessibility.com, we have lots and lots of checklists for creating word documents or excel spreadsheets, um best practices for working with screen reader users, um Lots and lots of different information there to help you make your stuff
0: successful. And it would actually empower anyone in an organization to have those skills distributed. So anyone producing. So there's not what I'm what I'm getting at is you you the worst case scenario is you have one person that's stuck making sure all this stuff is machine readable or not machine readable, but inclusive right? An inclusive product. Mm-hmm. It'd be great if everybody that was a producer just made it this absolutely. way to begin yeah,
1: with. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So that ends up being a, a, a big policy, instrumental enterprise level um, adoption practice. Mm-hmm. In your view, KM owns that to build that
1: out? We have a director of accessibility that helps us do that. Oh. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, she actually is the creator of that website, that um, awesome. com. And she's the one who develops all these best practices for
0: us. And that's out for the public to be able to lean on, huh?
1: Yes, and I hope that you do. Awesome.
0: Well, that is a very interesting topic, and I, I'm glad you brought this to the show because I, I think it's going to at least create a, a discussion along mm-hmm. the lines of yeah. what are we doing or what are yeah. we not doing, or I wasn't even aware of that. So that that's great. So what would be your definition of knowledge management?
1: I like to connect people to the knowledge they need, of course, through people process technology. But I really like Nick Milton's metaphor of the KMR as the gardener. And that's probably because I have a personal obsession with plants. But I really do. (laughs) (laughs) I really do behave like that. Because I kind of walk around the building and I plant little ideas. Mm -hmm. I see what takes root. And then I support that as it grows. But I also, I build my own web of knowledge so that I can also behave like a knowledge broker, getting people access to the knowledge that they need to do their job. So. No,
0: I, I, I get that. that and I, I like the whole idea of that organic way of how to build a knowledge organization also is that it, it's an organism. It's a living yeah, thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But
0: the only thing you don't address is what do you do with the weeds? <laughs>
1: Well, every gardener knows that they have to do some weeding. So in knowledge management, yes, there's definitely retention and destruction policies, too.
0: Well, it's been a blast, Jessica. We hope to have you back. Uh, I know we've talked about some other focused topics, and uh, I think the audience would love to hear more.
1: Okay, I can't wait for our next conversation. Thank you.
0: Because You Need to Know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared. I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose. Find us online at pioneer ks.org and add your voice to the conversation on Facebook.